What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, an emergency edition of the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode 240. What's going on? Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight, my friend? Is the emergency to take care of the canker sores in my mouth right now? Is that is that why we're doing this right now? Because I got two, one on top of the other, basically, and it's ruining my life right now. I can't. Eating, drinking, breathing, swallowing the, you know, the random saliva that shows up in your mouth. All of it extremely painful. It's a fun time to be alive right now. That sounds terrible. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. No. And like the only reason I have, I have two, like I said, the the, the top one, the only reason I got that one is because I bit my lip or the inside of my, I, I shouldn't say lip of my, what the hell? Is, anyways, I basically bit my lip eating food. Your gum. Because that happens sometimes. There it is. Thank you. My gums. No, it was, it's the, uh, the skin on the inside. I don't know if that's Either different. Way. I would call that gum too, but I don't know. I'm not a science guy. Not a math guy. Not a science guy. <laughs> Never claimed to be. Not a dentist or anything like that. But yeah, that's why. So like my own dumb mistake is causing me more dumb mistakes. It's just a compu, like a d'error going on in my mouth and I'm reliving it every time I breathe, swallow or eat. It's just fantastic. What about you? Please tell me you're having a better go of things. Today, yes. Um, I was off today and I went on like a... A little nature walk, I was telling you. Uh, if you're familiar with, uh, in Merrick, there's like this nature preserve. Um, and it's not like a hike, but you, there's maybe like two miles or a little less up to the top. And if you look out, like you could look west and see like the city skyline a little bit. You could look south and see the ocean and east. And it's kind of like a almost a bird's eye view of the island. And uh, just went up there, did some, I needed a brainstorming session. I was like, you know, I'm trapped in my hat, like my house working all the time. Like it's a nice day. I need to, I should probably do something positive for my mental health. So let's take this initiative and do something about it. And it's not like anything important was happening today anyways. <laughs> no, no, not at that time. Anyway, it was, it was very quiet until, well, um, it wasn't, so we're going to get into that because it was trade deadline day, and trade deadline day turned into extension day. So I think we need to start with nobody getting moved first and then talk about the extensions after. So surprised, disappointed, like where where are you at? What's your, what's your feel here? Well, for me going into it, there's three possible outcomes, that they were going to do nothing, that they were going to maybe trade one player because they got a good offer, or they might trade two or three players because they got good offers. Like, And by those two or three, it was some combination of Cal Clutterbuck, Andy Green, Zach Parise, and, and Zidane Chara. I, I don't actually think they were going to move Scott Mayfield as much as I thought that they should, just because the asses they'd get. And, and Simeon Varlamov, there's no they were going to trade him, just because I think we talked about it on the last regular show, there wasn't much of a market for him. Max, two teams really where we're going to do anything for him. And even then, the second team, Toronto, good luck trying to get him to go there, as in like creating the cap space to make it work. So it's one of those three options. So I'm not necessarily disappointed, but I, I guess I shouldn't say like I, I'm totally disappointed. I'm kind of because they, they took the least fun option of the three. What yeah. about you? Are you where are you on the disappointed gambit? Because I assume you are. No, not really. Um, uh, It doesn't. Ooh. I, I don't really like I'm maybe it's just because I'm checked out on the year and like it doesn't matter hmm. to me. But like, what do you think the return they're going to get on some of these guys? I don't think it's going to be anything super significant. So I don't feel like they're missing out on anything like, OK, maybe Zidane Char and Andy Green don't resign at the end of the year and they leave for nothing. Like, do I care? Do I really care that you don't get an asset back for Zidane Char or Andy Green? No, not because what is it going to be a, a 2023 sixth round pick or something like what are we doing here? That's what we're going to get mad over. 
Yeah, you're right. Because when you approach the trade deadline, you have to have a goal, right? Like, I think it was Craig McTavish. Yeah, it was Craig McTavish who said it on the Sportsnet broadcast. That's the one I was watching today. And he said, you approach the trade deadline a month ahead of time. You start making calls a month ahead of time. You start formulating a plan as far as where you are, what you need, so on and so forth. What the goal is for the trade deadline. And so if if we do that exercise right here on the show, obviously not a month out. We're now doing it retroactively. So like we have that obviously bias in our heads. But either way, what would have been the goal for the Islanders approaching the trade deadline today? What the hell do we think they're going to do? They're, they're, they're going to start wheeling and dealing for a number of first round picks or, or a list prospects no. for who? No. Yeah, it, it's not. That's not where they're at right now. It just doesn't it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to like, again, if you if something came up and you were able to get a, a mid round pick for one of those guys in this year. OK, but like. Again, I'm not losing sleep over not moving any of those guys. I think what we're going to see is very similar to what Lou Lamarillo said after uh, the trade deadline today was it's going to be like, all right, we're going to look at the rest of the season as an evaluation, see who's a building block going forward and who's not. And sure, we might still see some veterans out there and, and getting minutes, but can I take this time to do a little bit of a positive spin with two of the veterans here um, with Andy Green and Zidane Chara. From my understanding of what the the quotes were from Lou Lamarillo, it, it seemed like they did not they expressed that they did not want to be traded, so they wanted to be here and ride it out. Can we spin that in a positive way? Because I, I not long ago, five years ago, that's not a reality. I don't think anyone is saying, "Oh yeah, you know, I came, I got traded." Thomas Vanek, perfect example, gets traded to the Islanders, does not want to extend because of the arena situation. Like that that's a reality we were living in five years ago. Maybe it's a little more than five years ago now, but not that long ago. And now it's guys who've been around the league and our veterans want to see it out and want to see this thing through, even if it doesn't end with a championship or a playoff appearance. Yeah. The, like that's, that's a healthy way of looking at it. And of course, the people are going to say, well, like screw them. They're here at the benefit of the Islanders. And, you're both correct, but like you said earlier, what do we think we're getting for Andy Green and Zidane Chara? We're not getting a second round pick this year for either of those guys. We're probably not even getting a third round for them. We, we traded a second round in David Quenville for Andy Green, and it was a year delayed, right? That second round pick. That was two years ago, right? Right? 20, yeah, two years ago. So do we think two years onto that, we're going to get a current second round pick? No, it's, it's at best a second round pick next year. And even then, like, that's laughable. If we got a second round pick next year for Andy Green, yeah, maybe maybe something would have been done. Maybe Lou would have been forced to be like, sorry, Andy, I got to move you. Um, but there is something to be said in terms of devil's advocate going like, these guys don't want to be moved because they don't want to have to go through the whole hassle of trading or, or moving somewhere temporarily away from their families, so on and so forth. Um, but you're, you're right though. Like they don't want to go cause they want to be here and that could be a good thing for the organization at, at least in the long term, right? Like if you can bring in Zidane Ochar in some sort of strength and conditioning role, hmm. right? That's pretty good. Cause that guy has been able to prolong his career a lot longer than it should have lasted guys that are six, nine, they, they don't, they shouldn't last this long because it, it takes even more to get their bodies to stay at peak conditioning. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I agree with you there, but I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to. Well, that's how I took it anyway, or I, I chose to take it, I guess, was look at it through the more positive lens. But I didn't want to come down and be like, oh, my God, what a br brutal day from Lou Lamarillo because he didn't trade for 2023 futures that are going to be maybe mid round. Pit. Like, again, this whole issue with the team this year was they went for it with a more veteran roster for a, a bunch of reasons. It didn't work in the first half of the year. They're playing a little bit better now, but all along, our mindset has been it's going to be a retool in the offseason. So you're not trading away anything that's going to get significant value back regardless. Well, I, I think Scott Mayfield would be the only exception to that rule. And I say that knowing Varley is something someone's going to scream, but you got to keep in mind that 16-team no trade list is a big, like, nah uh But Scott Mayfield does not have that. No, that's true. But the, with Varlamov, we've said all along, too, that we're a believer that's an off-season thing. That's not necessarily an in-season move. 
Yeah, so like forget that one. The only thing would be Scott Mayfield. That's the only one where I'm like, ah, maybe you could have done that, but clearly Lou didn't want to do that. Right, and maybe they value having that guy who cost you was it one four five? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, maybe they and have that's value the thing because the, the the big complaints I saw online about what what what, what happened today for the Islanders and because I I am kind of disappointed because I like to see prospects come in I like to see third round picks come in and if you can get Cal Clutterbuck for you know move him for a third and bring him back next year for one point seven five because I don't think anyone else is going to sign him for that you do it. But they didn't want to do that. It is what it is. Uh, but the, the big complaints I saw was the Islanders, Lou should be fired, and they didn't get young enough. Well, the first one, fired, I'm sorry. This trade deadline is not, they're not in a, like you said, they're not in a retool situation or rebuild situation, sorry. So there's no failure here. And get younger, how? I, I guess technically by moving older pieces, you on average get younger, but that's not how that works. No, but that's also something that's going to naturally take place in the offseason when your 45-year-old signs somewhere else or retires or when Andy Green at age 39 is going to go somewhere else. And I guess it, it's going to eventually get into who they extended. But for the cost and how they've been playing, like this should not come as a surprise either. No, it really shouldn't. Like, Are, are we... I'm disappointed just because I thought something would happen. Like they would move someone and, and kind of take advantage. Even the trade that we saw between, was it Florida, Carolina, and Columbus, right? They're trying to move around Max Domi so Florida can bring him in. And even Carolina's in on that. Carolina is competing against Florida and they're still enabling this thing to go through. And that seems like something the Islanders could have done. Like we've got cap space to burn. Yeah, we'll act like a middleman and absorb fifty percent to bring in some like random. I think the guy that they got was a fifth round pick in twenty seventeen. Okay. Had, had an okay career in, in college and is ready to go pro. Yeah, why the hell not? You're taking fifty percent of like some random person's salary for two months. Not even for the month of April, right? Because they don't get paid their salary during the playoffs. You're paying 50% of their salary, whatever's left of it, for a month, and you get a fifth-round pick a quality player out of it. That's the thing where I'm going, like, I wish the Islanders would have done more of that. Okay, and I'll say, you know what, that's maybe fair, but is it? I'll phrase it to you like this. Is it, one, something that you are, like, really holding against Lou and saying he should be fired, it's a fireable <laughs> offense, or two, <laughs> is it something that you are going to lose sleep over? No, to neither. Yeah. I I hope no one's like, they should have got whatever the hell his name is, and if not, fire Lou. Like, come on. Like, you're looking for an excuse now. I'm lying, <laughs> I'm lying in bed awake at night now because the Islanders didn't trade for some other team's version of Otto Koivula. <laughs> that, even then, even then, Otto's got good AHL numbers. This other kid has never played at the AHL. He's got five years of college experience. So the, right there, he can become a UFA. He's got five years of college experience, right? So like, they might have gotten nothing out of it, but that's the thing. They, Lou didn't weaponize anything. He didn't weaponize his UFAs. He didn't weaponize cap space, which is... Uh, Something that I go like, I, I don't give him a passing grade. I, I D minus. I guess that's passing technically, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is that passing? I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's by, by oh. the skin of your teeth, but it's like a 65. Sorry, I didn't see that you just took a swig of something and were swallowing trying to answer me like a big jerk. Here I am going, like, answer me, damn you. And you're like, I'm trying to swallow my drink, you jerk. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah, like that's a 65 D minus 65. Okay. So then what, uh, anyways, I give him a barely passing grade, right? In, in Quebec, that's barely passing. You got to get 60% in Quebec to pass. Um, so that's what I give Lou Lamarill in this trade deadline because he didn't do those two things, weaponize cap space and weaponizes UFAs. Now, to be fair, his UFAs didn't want to go anywhere and lose a kind of guy going like, well, I kind of want to keep you. And I don't want to screw up our relationship unnecessarily. Like, what is a seventh round pick next year for me? Nothing. I don't give a crap about that. That does nothing for me. So why would I ruin a relationship for something that doesn't matter? In the, the, the zero balance or the zero-sum game of relationships in the NHL, I'd rather just keep you. Yeah, and I don't necessarily, I don't fault him for that thought process there. 
And I think it comes back to our discussion of like, well, what was the point of what was the Islanders goals going goal? Sorry, going into the trade deadline. Did they meet it? I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that their goal was we need to get younger, stronger, faster, better. Like, that's not how the trade deadline typically works. You're picking up UFA players uh, to help with a push. You're picking up depth pieces usually uh, at the trade deadline. You're not making these big, huge, big asset trades. Like, we're not going to see guys like Philip Forsberg get traded at the trade deadline. It's not going to happen. No. No, it doesn't. It It, it doesn't, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. Like, I don't know if they, I don't know, necessarily did themselves any favors. Like, they kind of just stayed neutral. You know, we do like the chaotic evil, or you know, we talked about all those things in the past. <laughs> that they're just neutral, neutral. It's fine. Yeah, neutral, good because they didn't do anything, but they didn't they didn't do anything for a good reason, right? And, and their good reason was like, and by good I mean like the goodness of their heart, because they didn't want to move someone for random scraps. Apparently there was interest on Cal Clutterbuck and there was interest on Varley. There was interest on other players. And we can get to that in a second here if we will, but they didn't move them because the return on that interest wasn't enough to justify whatever the heck they were trying to do with them with, with their own team. No, absolutely. So I guess we can transition into now trade deadline day becoming extension day with both Zach Parise and Cal Clutterbuck getting new deals. Zach Parise is re-upping for the veteran minimum. Love it. Kyle Clutterbuck is back on a two-year deal at $1.75 million, I believe. I, I Essentially half his cap hit. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if it was one seventy-five or one two five, but regardless, it's under $2 million. And again, not something I'm going to get worked up over. Are you shocked by either of those moves or either of those deals? Shocked at all? No, I, I, no. I, I've been saying all along that they're going to re-sign Kyle Clutterbuck in the offseason. It, it just, they re-signed Matt Martin long-term. They re-signed Casey Zegas long-term. Why the hell would they not re-sign Cal Clutterbuck? I'm not saying they should necessarily, but the writing was on the wall that they like this guy. They like what this, this group does. Why would they be like, nah, nah, nah. This is the element we hate. No. If there's either element on the third line they wouldn't re-sign, it would have been Matt Martin because they've got Ross Johnston. Right, but the thing is there... They gave Matt Martin the four-year deal, right? And that he's through two years of it. So the extension lines up with the remainder. Like, Matt Martin and uh, Cal Clutterbuck are going to expire at the same time after, you know, not, you know, they have two more years after this year together, and then that's it. So that tells you all you need to know. That's the shelf life of the fourth line. They're going to give it another run in that two-year window and we'll see what happens to Zekis, obviously, as the center, as one of the younger ones, and as probably most important piece of that line gets the more long-term deal. That's fine. I don't have any issue there. Um, nor do I have an issue with bringing Cal Clutterbuck back for less than $2 million against the cap. Um, I think he's still pretty good. Uh, he's a good penalty killer. Um, and every once in a while shows off that shot. It's not, you know, 2015 version of Cal anymore, but he's fine. I don't have an issue with bringing him back at that price. No, I, I really don't. And look, worst case scenario, we can bury that. It's ba- I don't imagine there's any trade protection. I haven't seen. I guess I should take a look right now. Although I don't know if that information would be uh, clear at this point. If we look at KC or sorry, Kyle Clutterbuck, it doesn't say that he's got trade protection. Let me scroll down here. No, it doesn't say that there's any now. I don't imagine there will be. Uh, there's none for KC, right? There's none for Matt Martin either. So why would he randomly get trade protection as a 34-year-old? Uh, that's that's just not going to happen. And so you can bury that. You can bury most of that. By the time his contract takes into effect, I'm just looking at the burying amount. I think it's still 1.125. Uh, it is 1.125. It starts next year at 1.125. Or sorry, that would be the second year of it. And the next year, or 23-24, sorry, is 1.15. So 1.15 of a $1.75 million deal can be buried. So that means $600,000 cap hit if he goes to the AHL. I mean, come It's on. still, you know, a cap hit, but like, what are we talking about here? That's less than a vet minimum deal. It's, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be that cap stricken. Um, and like we said, like based on everything we've seen, like this was so obvious. We knew that he was going to get extended again. 
And it's not an like it's not a long-term deal. It's not an expensive deal. It's it's fine. I don't know why there's no reason to get worked up over it. He, he plays his role. He does it well. He's been a good Islander. He's been here for 10 years already, which is crazy, but Yeah. And it doesn't mean that he's not tradable either, right? Like they're clearly trying to run it back next year. They see what they they, they know what they've got. They're like, "Okay, well, they're playing well. We're going to run it back next year." Okay, well, if that doesn't work, then you still got one more year of Cal Clutterbuck. That's tradable. That is tradable. At 1.75? Are you kidding me? Probably for nothing, but like you move that at that point, right? If it's just not working, all right, get done. Let's let's just move it. Like this is fine. This will be done. And like what what else are they going to put on the third line there? What else are they putting a right wing third line right now? Or sorry, fourth Fourth line, line. right wing. Uh, Bellows. That's who we played the other day, but I don't think that's a, I don't think you want him playing 82 games on your fourth line. No, he's not. Well, maybe that's what he's supposed to, or not what he's going to eventually be, but that's not what he's supposed to be trending towards, right? He's supposed to be trending towards middle six winger, not a go in there, get on the four check and, uh, and just hit everything you see that that's just not the way he plays. So that's just not the the, the, the uh, role to cast him in necessarily. So they don't have another guy to just be like, yeah, you do that. Thank you very much. I guess you can bring in Austin Zarnick, maybe, maybe, but they don't clearly want to do that. And if they're going to roll it back another year, you're going to bring Cal Clutterbuck in. It just it just makes too much sense. Just like re-signing Zach Parise. Yeah, exactly. And this is the one that I like more and. I wrote about it before hopping on this podcast. Normally, when you're signing yourself up for a 38-year-old, um, when you don't have to, like there's a few months before you have to decide whether you want to run it back with this guy or not. In most cases, I would say you're probably better off waiting. With Zach Parise, I don't think that's the case. I think he has significantly exceeded what he was brought in here to do. He was brought in at $750,000, league minimum. He is on pace right now for 33 points, which isn't phenomenal. But when you take into account that 20 of those points have come in the last 38 games, if you want to pace that one out, that's over a 40-point pace. So realistically, this is someone who, even at his age, is probably going to give you, like let's let's call it 35 to 40 points. Power play, penalty kill, 5-on-5, is still one of the team's best skaters, even at his age. Like... What is not to like about what Zach Parise has brought to the Islanders this year? And, and usually with these players, because of their age, you're looking for regression. And he's clearly regressed from what he was before. But if you're looking year over year, he has not regressed from last year. He put up, what is it, um, looking for 18 points in 45 games. On pace for 32.8. He's on pace for 32.8. He's putting up 0.4 points per game this year as he was last year. He has not regressed from the player he was last year. And yeah, that was a step down, but they're paying him league minimum. It's league minimum. You can't pay him any less than that. And so, and he's giving you, you look at Don Lushinsky's card, or Lushinsky's cards, and like, he's giving you what, three, four million dollars worth of value? Most what are we talking about here? This is a slam dunk. Most recently, it was up to 5.1. I just checked today. 5.1. <laughs> He's generating $5 million worth of value, and we're paying him league minimum. What are we complaining about? We're not getting young enough. Okay, He's cool, not- but there would be other openings to do that. Yeah, he's not the one that you have to worry about, and, like, I, I don't know. I... I think there's a world where you can sell me on the Islanders' third line next year being Parise, Peugeot, and Bailey, and that being pretty okay. That sounds like a good third line to me. It really does. It really does. Yeah. um, It's what they do with the rest of the roster, the top 4D, the top 6 forwards. That's where we need the reinforcements. We need a top 4D, and we need a top line winger. Done. End of story. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. They have to go into the offseason. Uh, you have depth figured out. Don't They've got plenty of it. Don't need to worry about that. They need a score, which through free agency or trade if you wanted to, but let's say free agency, there are numerous options that you could acquire, and you have $13 million of cap space, which could turn into like, no, maybe it's less. Maybe it's 11 and change now at this point. For next year, and then it could be like 16 or 17 if you move Semyon Varlamov. 
I want to say. Yeah, I th- I think they're on 11.7 next year. Let me just get 11.2 right now next year. But that is at a $81.5 million ceiling. As far as we know, the ceiling is going up to 82.5. So boost that up to 12.2 million dollars in cap space now. So that includes the the Clutterbuck and the Parise deals. So all you really need to sign next year is Dobson. a, a de- some defense, right? Cuz you got like three three UFAs on the blue line and then Dobson that's going to be three million dollars probably and then Kiefer Bellows yeah, what's that so you're be? looking at maybe three to four million dollars between Bellows and Dobson together okay yeah and then you spend the rest on a top line player and you you know find someone to bring in to play second pair minutes with Noah Dobson and you're ready to roll yeah, like it, it's not easy. The, you bring in a top line player is probably going to cost you six to eight million dollars, and that's basically all the cast space. And you're still looking for a top four D, which I, I would assume is a little bit more pressing than a top line forward. If I had to uh, prioritize things, I, I would certainly prioritize the uh, the top four D over the the top line winger. Um, but uh, they don't have the cast space to do both of those necessarily. But that doesn't mean they don't trade someone out to bring someone in. Right. Semyon Varlamov could be traded to create more space. Anthony Bovillier could be used as a trade chip. Um, they they have options. Yeah, you move out Varley, that's $5 million for a top 4D. $5 million should get you a top 4D. Yeah, and a pretty good one. And then you, you use whatever scraps you got left for some sort of like backup, and you pray to God that is a good one. And with the Islanders, it probably will be. Yeah, I don't think you have to really spend more than, I don't know, what do you want to say, $2.5 million on a backup? Yeah, but I, I based on my just immediate calculations, we don't have $2.5 million. But I, I spent no time doing, running the numbers here with the, the, the random hypotheticals I'm spewing out. But as it stands, the Islanders have cap space, they have a desire, they have things they can move in terms of prospects and, 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 and picks, although the prospects aren't really valuable outside of Atoratu, but it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think moral of the story here is that nobody should be surprised really with what happened today. And uh, at least with the extensions, I don't think anyone should be upset over it. I, I don't, I don't know. Obviously you're going to see uh, people upset anyways. Um, I, I think they're a minority but it also reveals exactly how Lou Lamarillo approached, approached this deadline, right? Like these are guys that he clearly wanted to sign, right? Because he signed him the second the trade deadline was over, right? He had a press conference set for 3.30. That was pushed back to four, making sure that we knew that he had signed Clutterbuck and Parise ahead of time. Uh, th- it's clear that he wanted to keep them. Now, he was obviously fielding calls on them. And apparently that this is the one other kind of criticism I have. There was a lot of interest, according to Lula Morello, a lot of interest on Cal Clutterbuck, but he couldn't get his price. And I've studied economics, and usually in economics, when the demand goes up, the price has to rise to meet it. So I don't know how the price didn't rise to a point where Lula Morello's like, yes, sir. That surprises me, kind of. Okay. And I think that's a fair analysis or observation from what we saw this week. And just his process. Yeah, I think Lou goes into these trade deadlines valuing these guys a little bit more than everyone else does, and and maybe people are, are can be upset about that. I haven't seen anyone anyone vocalize that necessarily. But if that's your criticism, saying like his valuation on his own players uh, is detrimental to his cause because they're higher than the market is willing to bear. Okay, cool. But I've seen no one vocalize that. And there's certainly a point to it. But there's a reason he values these guys. Because, like, he's not going to give Cal Clutterbuck away knowing he wants to keep him for a fourth-round pick next year or a fourth-round pick even this year. He's like, he's worth more than that to me than that. So why would I do it? And a fourth-round pick is going to do what for me going forward? Nothing. Yep. Pretty much. I I think you... That's a perfect way to end the segment because I think you hit it on the head for what happened here. Yeah, I, I, I one more thought yeah. on that when it comes to fourth rounders or, or something like that. 
They're not making the NHL tomorrow. Hell, if you if we're the Islanders, anything outside of a top 10 pick, and even then that's stretching it, outside of a top 10, and I mean overall, they're not making the NHL year one in the Islanders system. It's not. So what the hell are we talking about here? No, because you, the Islanders aren't going to get anything that's going to impact the team next year at the no, trade deadline. No, you're hoping maybe like, what? Like legitimately four years out? Probably. Yeah. The the only thing, the only critique I had is he's not weaponizing that cap space and he's not weaponizing UFAs to even, yes, a third round pick would have been great to move for something else, but like clearly no one was willing to do that if that was even the value Lou Lamarill had for these guys. Yeah. So anyway, I think we'll get some more activity in the offseason because that tends to be when Lou does most of his work anyway. Well, that, that's when guys like Phil Forsberg, maybe John Gertrude will be available, even through trade, just for the signing rights type of thing. Or, or, or any other one, any other player, maybe Patrick Laine is available, right? Like, that, those are guys that we've got to look at going, they would improve our roster with the, because they fill the need that we have right now. Jacob Chikrin is, is another one. <laughs> I'm going to get nuts for half a second, and then we'll reel it back in. Yes. Chicago seems to be blowing it up. You want Kaner? I mean, I, I don't think he's a great human, but I, he's <laughs> he, he scores goals. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the absolute worst in the NHL world, but he's he could be a jerk, it seems, but like, whatever. Like, he scores a bucket load of points, so that would be huge. I'm not, that um, is, to me, it would be to bring it. To brink it or bust for me, but like that, I don't think they'll get him. No, yeah, and uh, most of that was tongue in cheek. But you're you're right; they could. Yeah. It's uh, about it's about the off season. So, um, with that, should we get into some down on the farm stuff? See what's going on with some of these youngsters here. Yeah, so I guess that's a good way of of doing it. Going like, okay, well, we didn't give up any prospects. Well, what are what do we got? Right, like what, what do we have in terms of either we didn't give up or we can give going forward. Um. Over the weekend, I do this weekend update on my YouTube channel every Monday, and so I look at what happened because that's usually when I'm paying a little bit less attention because of family obligations and so on and so forth. Um, and you got a lot of production going on, uh, on, on in the pipeline this weekend. Uh, Zful, four points, all assists. Uh, you got Newkirk, three points, two goals, and assist. Lucas, a goal, or sorry, an assist. And then you got a lot of production in Bridgeport. They, they put up a 7-4 win against the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, even Jakob Skarik played well. 9-13 save percentage for Jakob Skarik, which is nice to see him bouncing back a little bit. But the three guys I singled out on my YouTube channel for, for the, the Monday weekend recap were Simon Holmstrom, Russell Ishikov, and Aturatu. Okay. And for various reasons. Holmstrom, a goal and two assists, five shots on net. That's good. He... He was a star performer, and plus two. He was plus two in a 7-4 win for the Bridgeport Islanders. Um, stood out. Stood out like a sore thumb on that team, and it's excellent to see. How Can I ask, how far do you think he is away from the NHL at this point? I think two years. Okay. The Islanders are going to try to see. They're going to take him to training camp, obviously, and see if he can make it this year. Maybe he takes a big step forward at training camp. Uh, maybe he bulks up a little bit more, but the, the plays that I'm seeing him make, uh, he's really smart. He's such a smart player. Um, if he could play with more talented players, I, I think he could really not be something special, but be a lot more than what we've seen right now. And that kind of sucks because you don't want to see necessarily a dependent player. You want to see an independent player. So someone who impacts the lineup, regardless of who he's playing with, he's more of a I could do something if the guys around me are a lot better because he's got some skills. He's got puck skills. He's got head skills. He just needs to have guys that can follow him along when he's doing that. Like there's a couple of plays that he made specifically in that 7-4 win. He, he takes the puck down deep and draws two players down with him, creating a like a ton, a big pocket of space at the top of the blue line. And it just it works itself to a goal because of that play. And he starts it all the way in the D zone. Uh, he he's just a smart player. It's clear why they wanted him. It just it's, it was still a reach to get him twenty fourth overall that year. 
yeah, that that's probably not going to ever change. But I would I'd be um, I'd be happy if he's you know having an impact on the NHL and not this upcoming year, the year after. That would be that'd be pretty nice. Um, just because my expectations were low when he was drafted, and then the injuries after that kind of you know sunk me down a little bit in the slow start in the AHL, but. I'm glad he is trending in the right direction for sure. So just wanted to hear an yeah. update on where you thought he was in his development. I think best case scenario to, not maybe not best case scenario, best case scenario next year, but what I think is going to happen is not next year, but the year after that, he's going to be at the NHL level playing in the third line or something like that, which I know people would be like, that's a first round pick taking like four years to get to the NHL. That's how the Islanders operate as well, right? Like they like yep. to take their time. So... And he's young. He's young. He just turned 20 this year, I think it is. So, like, let's just wait a little bit. Yeah, give it a couple more years. Um, The third guy I wanted to bring up is Russian Ishikov, who's having a great year at the DEL level, playing for Adler Mannheim. But the one thing I wanted to focus, and it's what I did on, on the channel, is 63% face-off win percentage in the one game he played this weekend. Wow. But you add that to the last couple of games where he's 50% plus. And he hasn't really been a 50% plus face-off man at the DEL level ever since he started. So I messaged him because we, we talk every now and again just about random stuff, uh, specifically hockey usually. And I said, like, what what, what did you do there? Because there's a clear change there. Something happened. What is it? Is it just kind of like it clicked or did you work on it? And he said, I knew we were going to be facing some tough face-off. Oh, I was going to be facing some tough guys in the face-off circle. So I took the skill coach aside and we worked on it. That's cool. So, like, this isn't just, like, right? It's not just, like, it happened. It's I decided that I needed to fix this, and I darn done did it. Yeah, that's that's impressive for, you know, a young guy like that to just show the initiative to make that adjustment. That's cool. Yeah, he's got to show the initiative on, on the cookie duster he's got going on there because uh, <laughs> it looks really pathetic. Uh, I say that fully well knowing that I can't grow anything in, the, in my cheeks. So, like, if Russell shows up, uh, in the playoffs for Adler with a full-on beard, I will shut immediately up. But that cookie duster needs some work hard. He's just got to shave even when he's not growing anything. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. And the last one is Autorato, a guy we're very familiar with. A goal, an assist, five shots on net, 17 minutes worth of ice time. Um, just... He's better. He, he's too good for the legal level at, at this point. He's on a five-game point streak right now. He has helped. You could have helped. I want to stress helped because a lot of people go like, it's an auto-to-auto effect for what you could was going on with you could have. And it's not. It's not just auto-to-auto. It's the whole thing. Um, and, and auto will be the first one to tell you that because um, he's told me that a number of times. But he's got a goal assist, five-game goal streak. Uh, sorry, point streak. He's helped push you could it into a playoff position that's the first time they make the playoffs at the legal level they were a mess this team like four years ago and if you don't know what mess this is it's a league below uh the legal level they bought a license to jump up in the 20 i think it's 16 17 year either way um they've never made the playoffs but not only that they have made the playoffs they have home ice advantage and they've made they've clinched the CHL, which is the championship hockey league for next year. So they're going to be in, if anyone watches soccer, it's the, the champions league of hockey. So all the, the best European clubs come together to figure out who is the ultimate best European club. He's helped them get there. And now might they, they could very well win the championship. And, and by that, I mean like the, the president's trophy, if you will, of the legal love. They, they could win the regular season if they just win outright. And a few things go their way, two things go their way. T has been messaging me constantly about it to, to let me remember, make me remember, and I've already forgotten. <laughs> oh boy! So, anyways, yeah, uh, I think it's basically they need to win out in regulation and Alves, and I think it's um, Culpa. No, not Culpa. Sorry, I'm getting it wrong. Hifk need to lose in regulation, and then uh, and then Yukuda uh, wins outright the regular season, and that would be huge because they've never done any of those things, any of them, and this year they would do it thanks to. Autodato being a part of that, but mainly Ole Jokinen, really. This is really who deserves a lot of the credit here. Okay. That's that's good. I love that. Good update. Yeah, but he... So, and even then, Ole Jokinen, I want to bring this up, went out of his way to positively... Uh, to talk about Autodato in a positive way. Like, he was asked about... Um, 
his coaching and about players he coaches and like who's a treat to coach type of thing. And he's like, a number of players, but if I have to like pick out one, it's Aturatu. The kid always comes in ready to learn and is, is receptive to absolutely everything. He is a joy to coach. That's tremendous to hear about. Probably the most important Islanders prospect right now. Yeah, so like that, that was all brought to me. He said that all in Finnish, by the way. Uh, and I, I, Tia helps me a lot when it comes to Finnish stuff. Uh, she she t- provides me the translation. Like this is what he actually said. I'm like, thank you, because I would not have got that at all, at all. And he's such a down to earth coach. Oh my god, when he's doing these pressers, you see him with his like Carhartt toque and a and a hoodie, and he's just standing there with his full on like metal band beard. Oh, love it. I I love Ole Okunen. Yeah, he's a good one. He was uh, one of my favorite players to watch in the league too. So. That's for a good reason. Um, anything else on any of these prospects? Uh, I love what I'm hearing with Atsu Ratsu. Where's we're assuming he's coming to the AHL next year, right? Yes. Yeah. But uh, he's contract is done this year with uh, with Carpot. That's who he signed the contract with. But it's a league of contracts. So he's got one year left on that deal. This being the one year. And then he's coming to the AHL. Uh, he hasn't told me explicitly that he's coming, uh, but it's very clear. There, there's no reason they wouldn't. There's no reason he would sign another year at all. Do you think he... Now, let me phrase it to you like this. Do you think he stays in the AHL yep. for very long? I think he stays there a year. Okay. Minimum. I, I can't see him coming. I would love for him to have an immediate... Like, such a strong impact at the... Uh, at the, the training camp that they're like, we have to play this guy. They might give him like the eight game or nine game sample that you can give without burning a year. But they're, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to want to burn that year necessarily. Uh, they'll, they'll send him to the AHL to get, make sure that he he's, he's up to speed, but they're not going to rush this along uh, unless he's absolutely dominates training camp. There's no reason for them to rush it. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, was there any, th- yeah, there, there's not a whole lot more. Um, Samuel Budzik is, is putting up points at a pretty constant rate now at the AHL level. So that's nice to see a little bit turnaround when, uh, the points were not coming at the start of the year, but he still has a, a lot of ground to make up from where, uh, he had 24 points last or far, sorry, 14 points, in 24 games. And I, I don't think he hits 10 points this year, but we'll see. Okay. Not great, but. You live with it. No, it, it definitely a down year for um for him and Samuel Bolzik. Anyway, shall we get to the quiz? Let's get to the quiz. As we do every week, I have a mystery New York Islander for you, Matt, and you at home to guess. This one comes to me from patron Andrew Parker. Ooh. Sent me a message. Sorry, Spiz. I, I know you sent me one, but I'm going to do that one next week. Um. So Andrew sent me the not just the name, but name and clue. So these are all courtesy of Andrew. So thank you very much for that. Oh, boy. Are you ready, Matt? Yeah, let's give it a go. All right. First clue. I was drafted 117th overall by the Vancouver Canucks. Okay, next. Um, I'm just trying to make sure I've got the name here. I don't think he actually even sent me the name. He never sent me the name. So this is going to be fun for both of us. <laughs> okay, we're going to figure it out together. <laughs> okay. Andrew, you never sent me the name. That should That's on me for not getting it. Either way, in my three seasons with the Islanders, I played 235 regular season games and 17 playoff games. Um... Mm, I was gonna say my guess was gonna be Shane Prince, but I don't think that he played enough. But I'm feeling like that era, like the 15-16 era, is where my mind is right now. Okay, well you'll find out soon enough that that's not it. Okay. Um, three, my career high was 44 points in 2003-2004 while playing for the Islanders. Okay, clearly I was off. Um. Okay. All right, next. Four. I won the hardest shot competition back in 2004 
clocking in at 102 miles an hour, which is ironic because that was the same exact speed as fellow number three Adam Pellick shot at the 2022 skills competition. Okay. Um. Oh my god. Oh my. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Why can't I think of what his name I'm picturing him, but I can't think of what his name is right now. Oh my god. Alright, give me the last one. Five. I was often. I often was paired on defense with Kenny Johnson, and my initials are AA. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know what it. I. Oh my god. Why can't I think of it? I'm picturing him. I am. Uh, I got it. You want. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm gonna scream when you say say the name because I I'm literally picturing him. I just, it just can't come to my head right now. Go. It's Adrian O'Quine. Ah, damn it! Thank you. I was, <laughs> I was literally I was picturing him. I'm like, what is his name? And then when you gave me the double A, I shouldn't have known. But I'm like, I, I'm I picture you. I just can't think of what your name is. So that's my own stupidity. Hey, that happens, man, all the time. I could be like in line at the bank and be like, "What can you? What can you do? Or what? What can I help you with?" And you're like, ah, and you just blank, and you just want to say, "I want to make a deposit for the money that's currently in my hand." And they're like, "Is this guy having a seizure, or what's going on here?" I'm and, so uh, I get mad. it. I get it. <laughs> no worries. So yeah, Adrian O'Coin. Thank you, Andrew Parker, for that. That was a good one. I should have gotten it again. I'm 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 chalking it up to a brain fart. I I knew it, but I couldn't think of the name. That was what a choke job performance for me. Let's get to the social segment. Hopefully, liven things up <laughs> a bit more now. <laughs> what do you got for us this week, Mitch? This one comes from NHL uh, at NHL. I think we all know who they are. It says there's nothing regular about convert covering every inch, and they've got a 18 second promo on that save by Ilya Sorokin. And it is epic. It, the save already is epic. Uh, yeah. Clearly, this is going to be save of the year, without question. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I'm glad that it, it got its own promotion. It was obviously deserved deserved it. And uh, Brendan Burke on the call gets a little shout out from the NHL, too. Love that. It's such a good call. And like the save, the more you watch it, the more insane it gets. Like when they got that slow-mo wrist shot from Panarin and he's like falling back, Superman gets a paddle on it. Like the overhead doesn't do it justice. Obviously he gets a paddle on it, but you just don't see how much net is open and how small that paddle is to just oh, get something on it. Epilogue, unbelievable, just epic stuff. My first one comes from Blue Line Deli and Bagels. I'm sure we know who they are. And they say, breaking, Blue Line Deli has not been traded to another city. Will always be hashtag Isles. Love it. Blue Line, great place, great food, great people running it. Uh, Yeah, love it. Get some in you right now. Right now, go out and drive to get get some right now. I wish. Uh, wish My last one here comes from Elliot Friedman. I think, again, we know who this person is. And the tweet is, on Dadanov's no trade. Apparently, this is an Isles related. Apparently, it wasn't officially submitted, thereby making him eligible to be moved anywhere. It's infrequent, but it happens. And he says, most recent case is Patrick Berglund. And so what happened here is that the Vegas Golden Knights made a trade with the Anaheim Ducks, and everyone was like, uh, wait a second here. Because apparently, Evgeny Dadanov, when he was traded from Vegas to, or sorry, from Ottawa to Vegas, had a no trade list. But no one could find it when they made the trade here. No one could find the no trade list. And apparently he just didn't submit the paperwork. And apparently Anaheim was on said trade list. That's wild. So he got moved to a team he didn't want to go to because he didn't submit the paperwork. And as I tweeted on, on, well, obviously on Twitter, I said, like, that is basically my high school career. Just not submitting the paperwork on time. Yeah. Absolutely happen all the time. Self-inflicted wounds, pretty much. Yeah, like you get to school and the, the teacher's like, you have your release slip? And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, we're going to the thing today. Do you have your slip saying your you know, your parents are okay with it? And like in that split second of panic, I like flash back to my house and like the paperwork sitting on the goddamn kitchen table going, like, God damn it. And so you got to sit in like detention essentially to, while everyone else is at like the box factory or whatever. 
that's a very good analogy. It's true, but it's his own fault. Uh, been there, done that a bunch of times in high school myself. So, uh, got to feel for him there. My last. Yeah. So, but he goes to Anaheim. That's not a really bad place to go, really. No, it could be a lot worse than Anaheim. You could do a whole lot yeah. worse. My last mm-hmm. one comes from Isles Fix, and they say. I always think about Tyler Kennedy, Shane Prince, and Chris Wagner on this day. <laughs> Hashtag Isles. Uh, all legends of that group. Who's the fave? Oh, Shane Prince. Easy. Yeah, I kind of liked Shane Prince a little bit. Um, I, he wasn't great, obviously, but uh, buddy, friend of the show, Ryan Paulson, right underneath there says... Uh, I always really liked his game. He was like a five cents JGP, which is a perfect way to describe his game. Actually, he was. He's not even gonna. He's turning thirty next November. So he's not really old. He's out in Switzerland now. Uh, he's got six points in three games this year, so killing the Swiss league, which is a good league, by the way. But he made the move from the KHL. I had a really good year at Dinamo Misk in 2021 with 49 points in 52 games to Shane Prince. But it kind of fell off when he was moved to uh, Automobilist. That's, uh, yeah. oh my God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Anatoly Golishev's team. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, he was moved there, played 33 games before eventually going to Lugano in Switzerland, where he's killing it, two points per game. Yeah. Good stuff. Love it. So... Good old Shane Prince update for you all. Thank you. I I very much so was losing sleep at night because I didn't know what Shane Prince was up to these days. So let's do some plugs before we go. Wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a rating and a review. Really helps us out a lot. We appreciate all the love and support. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. I am Matt O'Leary NY and Mitch is TLO Mitch on Twitter if you want to follow along with us. Facebook is facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You can visit the website eyes on And of course the Patreon five bucks a month gets you bonus Islanders content like post game shows. Uh, what else do we get? Mailbag shows, which you're going to record right after this uh, discord channel. Yeah, we have 21 questions to get you on Ooh. the mailbag, by the way. Oh, it's going to be a long one, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, yeah, maybe we should head over there, Mitch. What do you think? Yeah, let's get on there because there, there's some long ones. Who is this one here? Jonathan Goldstein. It is a long read, so it's gonna be a long. It's gonna be a long night for us. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.